0: So as you take a look about happiness, there's no greater feeling than creating happiness and success for other people.
1: Our greatest failures are really actually setting the scene for our most incredible success because of how much it forces us to rebuild.
0: So it really is a lesson in life is learning to love ourselves, okay, and to separate our failures or uh, or our defeats with who we really are.
1: Both from a personal perspective and from a business or success perspective, learning how to ask for help uh, is, I think, a really, really key one throughout the process.
0: Pick your own level of what success looks like to you and go from where you are to that step, then to the next step, and then to the next step. No one can tell you what success looks like for you. So I'm trying to figure out how do I go from success to significance by helping others create value for themselves.
2: Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. I am super excited for today's show because it's actually the first time I have two guests on my show. And uh, I'm super grateful for that father and daughter. And uh, we have just this incredible guest today. We have Richard and Charlie Jaffe. Uh, Richard have built and sold several companies and he's the guy who sold a company to Coca-Cola and at one point selling 6.5 billion latex gloves a year and voted Forbes Magazine best small company in America. His daughter, Charlie, have produced stories for BBC, had a yoga school in Australia and become an award-winning change maker at Google. But it's the lessons she never wanted to face that taught her the things she didn't know how to learn. Charlie focuses where most conflict begins within. I'm so excited to talk with these two beautiful, amazing human beings. Let's welcome Richard and Charlie Jaffe. Welcome. Thank you. So I I'm, so I'm, be- I'm super I'm super happy to be here. and I just want to start uh, with you with you, Richard. And I know, I listened to an interview with you and you you talked about you've been both successful and happy and something that I'm truly working on is to redefine the concept of success. So can you just first tell me what's the difference between success and happiness and how have you been able to, to merge them together in your life?
0: Well, success is what we achieve for ourselves, so success is what we build in the world. I mean, everyone measures it differently, so you can pick how you measure success, but happiness truly comes from becoming our own best friend. So happiness is an internal issue of how we feel about ourselves, and uh, success is more oriented to things that we want to achieve. Now, in life, and I'm 67 now, so I've been through several businesses, But i have also at a stage now where I'm going from success to significance. So success is what you create for yourself, and significance is what you create for other people. So as you take a look about happiness, there's no greater feeling than creating
2: happiness and success for other people. I love that. And uh, Charlie, I know you've, you've walked through fire on a couple of occasions in your life, and Uh, Can you just uh, talk about one of those moments in your life when when everything went dark for you and what you learned from that experience?
1: Absolutely. So I would say one that's definitely been uh, top of mind lately as the world is facing a pandemic like we've never seen before uh, was actually a health crisis for me, which was about 10 years ago. Um, And the experience is actually... Respiratory ICU very very similar to what a lot of extreme COVID patients are experiencing today Um, and I thought that the worst part of the crisis Was the very acute moment right where it's so extreme where it's so painful where you know for me It wasn't clear if I was going to physically survive it yeah. Um, but what was interesting to me and I had never expected is that crisis doesn't end after that tiny moment It can have repercussions after um and so learning how i really wanted to have this quick bounce back but that avoidance and resilience are not the same thing and it's very easy to mistake one for the other and so something really beautiful that i had learned is while i would love to have just bounced back really quickly uh, that whole concept of post traumatic growth of facing something and not just bouncing back right away but feeling totally torn apart by it whether it's a business failing or a relationship failing. Um, But that when we break apart, we actually grow so much more when we learn to put ourselves back together. And that sometimes our greatest failures are really actually setting the scene for our most incredible success because of how much it forces us to rebuild. Yeah.
2: And how, how do we work with that though? Because I'm, as an athlete, I've gone through so many failures and I always wanted to, to show that, hey, this, this didn't bother me at all, but I, I was shattered on the inside. And I know you, you've gone through this, Charlie, and I know, Richard, you as a businessman, you've gone through this several times. So Let's just start with Charlie and then I'll, I will leave the word to you, Richard.
1: Absolutely. Well, I would say, you know, like you said, you were shattered. Um, so I think the first step to that is to really accept the fact that we're shattered and that we're not okay. In in my experience, and I don't know, maybe yours as well, is there was the, the, the pain of what I was going through, but then there was this extra layer of shame. And while we can't control the environment of the reality that we're in, we do have the ability to affect that shame in a really big way much quicker than we're able to affect the actual environment. So I think that that first step is being able to allow ourselves to feel broken and to ask for help and to really create space for that. I think we don't do a great job as a society. We love to talk about, yeah, like failure and bounce back, but we don't really talk about what does that failure look like and what does it look like to lean into it um, and to allow it to be there? Because I think the way that we tend to try and run away from that pain, whether it's throwing ourselves into work, whether it's, you know, Eating, drinking, watching TV, the ways we run away from it, eventually, like those hurt worse than what we're running from. So I think the first step is really reckoning with being with dark feelings. And I there's so many different ways to do that. My dad and I are both big into meditation, but I think so that's one big mental practice. But another one is just allowing ourselves to talk about it, whether it's with a friend, an advisor, a partner just creating a space for that to come out without having to instantly fix it. That sometimes can actually counterintuitively allow it to heal so much quicker than if we're trying to force it.
2: I know. And and for me, I know someone once told me, perfect is boring. Human is beautiful. And I truly believe that, but it takes, sometimes it takes that first step to show up and say, Hey, I failed. And this is, this is just, This is not who I am. I'm gonna recover, but right now I'm I'm going through pain, and that's okay. And how have
0: you dealt with that? But
2: Peter, Peter,
0: failure, defeat's getting knocked down, but failure is not getting up again. So I think the real issue, and I've been an athlete, I played a year of college basketball, but I always wanted the ball last 10 seconds. I want the last putt. But the issue is I've always been able to separate my own self-worth. From my t- achievements, and even when I was failing, okay. And one of the hardest moments of my life was in Safeskin, my second business, where we had taken all the money we made from Coca-Cola, put it into the second business, and I got foreclosure notices, and I got personal guarantees being called, and literally, Charlie was six months, and my son was three and a half. I mean, the world was falling down around me, and when my friends said, "How could you hold it together?" and I said, "Listen." as long as i have my health and my family okay i can recreate whatever i create i don't want to okay but i'm going to do the best i can and and i separated my failure now i was shamed i had all the negative stuff i wasn't happy don't get me wrong yeah. but the real key thing of risking it all is when you separate the personal uh, achievements and uh, your self worth. In fact, many successful business people sell a company and then they're miserable. Okay, they have nothing to feed them. So it really is a lesson in life: is learning to love ourselves. Okay, and to separate our failures or uh, or our defeats with who we really are.
2: Yeah, the, the, I think the big question is how do we get there? Because I've this is episode one hundred eighty four. I've talked to so many thought leaders, everything from world champions, to entrepreneurs, to 9-11 survivors. And what I've seen and what I've, what I've learned during my research is that a lot of these super successful people, they actually do it just to be loved. And a lot of them have had have had experienced misery when they reached that goal and they had to challenge themselves to actually start realizing it's not your, your what you do in life that Shows who you are because you're already worthy as a human being. Well, let me let me separate this. So for me, okay, as the
0: you know, crisis is change over a short period of time. Crisis is an opportunity. You don't get a choice, but you have to change. The very first step when I get into crisis, and the most important step, is to accept what I can't change. So often I get into a crisis and I'm trying to change things that'll never move it's not to accept the the challenge of what i can work on and then work on the other things after that that's the first thing second thing is as the world is falling around falling down around us it's really important just like in uh, in your athletic uh, stuff is to keep your mind in the present we all get filled with fear fear is in the future about what might happen so whether it's meditation whether it's your own Mindset of visualization is we get into a crisis. We have to learn how to respond Not react we get in a crisis and we react we have one to two choices if we step back and respond What happens is we get more choice to pick from and we make better choices, but the real key is Accepting what we can't change Identifying the outcome we want and then taking steps in that direction yeah. for me Yeah,
1: and I I would say you know, my, my dad is very quick to just jump straight to acceptance. uh, And it's fantastic. And a lot of us don't work that way. A lot of us, it takes a little bit more, uh, more time and effort to get there. Uh, But when we think about how do we get to acceptance for some of us, it's, it can be a grieving process, you know, whether it's failures in business or in sports, as you had said. Um, And so looking at Okay, if we do need to grieve, giving ourselves that space to grieve, to have the denial, the bargaining, the anger, create space for those moments so that you can get to acceptance. But I think the moment where it really changes, and what researchers have referred to as the sixth stage of grief, is meaning. Because no matter, we can't control so much of what happens to us, we can control our responses. And sometimes we do everything right, and things still go wrong but we always have the ability to create meaning from it and to create learning from it. And so when we're able to in those hard moments, whether it's reaching out to a colleague or a business partner and feeling the connection while sharing in that really hard space, or whether it's learning the lesson you take to your next business, or whether it's simply learning how to ask for help, we all have the ability to find those Moments of connection and moments of brightness within hard places. And I think that's something that can really speed up that process. When you said, you know, what's the first step to get there? A lot of times it's simply reaching out and making it a shared experience rather than one by yourself. And one interesting thing that we actually learned while writing the book together that my dad said he hadn't realized before as we're going through all of this is when I look at every crisis that he got through and There were a lot of them. In every single one, he asked for help. And so there can sometimes be this mindset of, I need to pick myself up by my bootstraps and get get through it myself. But the reality is that's a fast track to crashing and burning, both emotionally and in terms of whatever we're going after. So both from a personal perspective and from a business or success perspective, learning how to ask for help. Uh, is, I think a really, really key one throughout the process. I
2: love that. and that's something that i'm I'm learning. I remember as as a young athlete, sometimes I was ashamed of asking for help because in a way, I told myself that I wasn't good enough if I asked somebody for help and or I thought they would take advantage of me for it. So can we just address that, Richard? And just like, what do you want to say to people that have that mindset, just like me, like fear of asking for help? And the
0: first thing I ask you is why? Because if you don't have enough self-confidence, if you think, if you're too concerned with what other people think, then you start acting on what you think other people want to see or hear. When you start getting in touch with yourself, you you become your own best friend. Really love yourself, and you pick and choose what you want to do. Also, asking for help is not a weakness, as Charlie said. You're allowing somebody else. So what you're doing is you're giving somebody else the opportunity to help you. Okay? So many people are good at giving, and not taking. We have to learn how to do both. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's part of life. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So you got to reach out and touch somebody's heart. You have to allow them into your heart. You have to be honest. If you're asking for help, okay, then you, why are you asking? Okay, what do you need? How do you share? I mean, it's a gift. It's a gift to allow somebody else to help you. But that's a mindset and an inner peace aspect that you got, we got to get comfortable with ourselves.
2: Yeah, I think that's the big question. How do we get comfortable with ourselves? And leading into that, Charlie, I I read something that you wrote on your website and and you you said, it's the lessons I never wanted to face that taught me the things I didn't know how to learn. I know what it's like to lose my health, my dignity, my mind, even my desire to live. And I know you're not the only one. Uh, I know there are people with huge potential right now that are feeling this. So what what do you want to say to them?
1: Absolutely. Well, I would first off just want to normalize that feeling and experience. When we look at some of the people we respect most, they've been to that place. People like Oprah, like Elton John, like there's so many of these people that we hold in such high regard that have been to this place and come out. And so I think First of all, being able to see those models that are out there, but much more than that, I think I I, I work with a lot of people who experience suicidality as a crisis counselor and it's the most meaningful work I do. And one of the things I oftentimes say is, yeah, a part of you needs to die, but sometimes we confuse that and think that it's all of us. And so when we're in moments of extreme crisis, when we're in moments of extreme darkness, It's, it's a moment of huge transformation and it's, it's so hard to experience and exist through. Um, but one of the ways that I kind of conceptualize it is that there's, there's a holiness in breaking. We, we may absolutely despise it, but we can't see the crucible while we're inside it. So these places where it feels like everything has just totally broken apart is actually that moment of crisis and that moment. Of Huge change and in that moment, I think being able to reach out for help is just really the biggest part Whether it's someone in your life or whether it's a hotline like there are strangers 24-7 who are sitting there Who just want to talk and many of them have been in that same place and so knowing that these states are impermanent and that We can start to look at what part of myself do, does need to be let go of But also I would say some of the most beautiful laughter I've ever heard in my entire life has been on the phone with people who are having a very hard time staying alive. Uh, And the thing that I think makes that laughter so beautiful is theres it's almost like there's this energy that's being held in and it's being let out through that ability to bond over laughing at how wild and ridiculous and obscene the situation is. And so I think being able to be with a person, not that's going to fix it or that is going to make it go away, but being able to be with someone and be really fully seen in that moment, that has, that's an alchemy. Like there is a magic to that. And it's, there is no silver bullet. Like there is nothing that's like, snap your fingers and it's absolutely going to go away immediately and everything's going to be perfect. But I think there's so many people out there who point to those absolute, Lifetime lows as one of the most important transformational points that sets up the rest of their life for these beautiful highs we could have never imagined because we have to look at these part of ourselves that we would avoid if it wasn't for that wild desperation. So I don't glamorize or, or make it seem any nicer or kinder, um, but it's just really being able to open up the perspective and the space to see we can dance with that darkness as long as we don't completely isolate ourselves and keep the world out because isolation is the one thing that shame absolutely loves to thrive in yeah.
2: and and how did you uh, richard uh, how how did you support and deal with with when you have a daughter in pain this is something that a, a lot of a lot of parents go through and like how do you deal with that and what what advice do you want to give to other parents
0: Sure, and everybody does differently. My wife was completely different than I was. And Charlie had been in an accident, and her lungs were being coated, uh, and she had a hard time breathing. And for me, I only saw her, I used my mind, I only saw her getting healthy. I could never look at the dark moments. I was 110% focused on what it would look like when she would get out. And when my wife would say, you know, what could happen? I don't want to hear about it. So, so mine, I am very much a one of controlling my thoughts. And so I wouldn't let for a moment that darkness in. And it really was prayer. I mean, at the time, I mean, I've been meditating for 47 years. I do a lot of visualization. But the real issue, when you get down to that moment, when you say to the doctor, what else can we do? And they say, all you can do is pray. You know you're at the mercy, okay, of a higher force. And all you do is pray and keep the mind positive. I mean, I would tell you the same thing when I got into a crisis in business. I would just focus on the light at the end of the tunnel, hoping it wasn't a freight train coming at me, but focus on the out- outcome. So I just, the way I deal with it is I deal with this focusing on the outcome and staying positive all the time and trying to control my, my thoughts. But I would tell all my salespeople usually, don't change the present, create the future. So I would create the future in my mind just like you do in sports, right? I create the future mind. And then I say to myself, is every decision getting me closer or further away? So I'm a lot more focused on how I control my mind. To do that, you have to let go of some of your emotions and stuff some things down. But when you get into crisis, where all you're concerned about is getting out of it, we do whatever it takes to get us out of it. And that was my journey. And fortunately, we got very lucky and she didn't snap out of it. It took a long time and still feel some of the effects. But at that moment when it was life or death I chose to control my mind and only see the positive.
2: Yeah, that's great.
1: Well one one other thing about that I think also is The coping mechanisms that allow us to get through crisis Are not the same coping mechanisms that help once we're out and so i think one of the other big keys is being able to recognize this because i know for me the things that helped me survive and get through that moment when i didn't know how to let go of those ended up haunting me and making it so much harder so i think it's also being able to identify or have a self awareness around what stage we're in and recognizing that there's downsides to our strengths and upsides to our weaknesses it's it's a pretty nuanced complex thing and the more We can't always see that ourselves. And that's also why it's so important to talk to others and to ask for help, because that gives others the ability to reflect that back to us so that we have the knowledge to let go of the things that were so helpful before and then no longer serving us.
2: Let's talk about mindset, because people are right now, uh, there's a lot of things going on in the world, and the media is making a lot of us crazy, at least. Some Sometimes during the day, and then we get back to normal, and then we have fear again, and then we hear about somebody gotten sick, and then we think we're gonna die. And this is what's going on in many people's minds right now. So can we can we can we give some tangible things to work on? I know, I know Richard, you, you, you you're strong in your mind, but what is it that you're doing? What's the process, and how can other people use that in their own lives?
0: Well, at least for me. I mean, we do not know the future. Okay, this is unprecedented. Okay. And any fear and things are not gonna be good for a long time. Okay, but I can't change that. It is what's gonna be. is. so I really try today to keep my mind A in the present. Do what I can to stay healthy, to stay fit, to stay out of danger, to do all the things we're told to do. I mean, that's sort of like the, the basic aspect, okay? And then, as I do take a look, and that deals with the fear of what might happen in the future. But then, when I take a look at, okay, there is change. What do we do? How do I move forward? I take a look. How can I help? Okay. Whether it's podcasts, I do some, I sit on a couple boards and I mentor some entrepreneurs. So, how can I help the world? How can I be significant to other people? So, I work on that. And then, I'm just a I'm, a, I'm a customer advocate. I love pleasing customers. Okay, I love finding out what people need and giving it to. So for me, I'm taking a look and say, what's going to change and how do I help other people see what's coming and how do we provide to customers? You know, uh, you know, our customers have all the answers. Charlie had a great line in the book. It said, uh, you know, uh, Henry Ford said, if I asked my customers what they want, they would have said faster horses. Right. So but he did a production line of cars. I think Wayne Gretzky said it best when they asked him. They said, Wayne, best hockey player ever lived. Not very big, not very fast, not a hard slap shot. How are you so good? And he said, I don't know. I just skate to where the puck is going to be. I just skate to where the puck is going to be. And in business, in life, to be successful, look at what customers are going to need in the future, create services and products they need, and then give it to them. So that's how today, in today's environment, I'm trying to say, how do I create value? I continue to ask myself, do I want to be right or do I want to be successful? When I want to be right, I do whatever I think. When I want to be successful, I open up and ask other people and they have more choices. So I'm trying to deal with it the best I can. You know, I'm trying to write, okay? As I told you, I wrote a beautiful poem about Kobe Bryant this week. So I'm trying to write. I'm trying to get in touch with my own emotions. And for me, that's the way I do it. Yeah, and I would sort of
1: add on to that. Adaptability is so huge right now and and that's a big thing of I think what we see uh, In the in the book is is we really covered all these incredible ways and thought processes and how My dad was able to adapt to such intense crises, but I think when we look at right now hope is the only positive emotion that requires negativity or uncertainty to exist and There is no shortage of negativity and uncertainty right now but when we look at how do we go from that negativity and that uncertainty to a place of hope and, and a place of productivity, there's a lot of different pieces. Uh, one of the big ones is being able to recalibrate our goals. And that's another form of adaptability. And, and I can give a couple examples. If we look at something really extreme, which is hopefully way worse than anyone watching now is experiencing, but there's a lot of people who have loved ones in the hospital who are not going to make it. Um, You can say, how could you find hope in that setting? What hope looks like in that setting and what you can hear from a number of people talking is, nurses are able to get people on FaceTime uh, and have a couple moments of goodbyes. Now that is a really heart-wrenching thing to think about, but when you go from, this is exactly how I want it to be, to I hope to be able to get one last moment with a person I love that really shows that hope is possible even in the most dire of situations. Now, we can take that into hopefully something that's much more applicable to different people. Um, but when we look at our expectations, if people have lost their jobs or if people are you know, worried or anxious with the state of the world, it's really about looking at what is a goal that I can set That I can't achieve where can I build these micro goals that in being able to hit those that Builds a sense of strength that allows us to climb on top of because We don't have control over a lot right now and that can seem really Overwhelming, but when we can build in little wins, even if it's something for example If someone's having a hard time getting out of bed hard time being productive your goal your first goal of the day could be making your bed your bed or making yourself a cup of tea. Uh, we can make goals that are really small and in doing that, that can give us a sense of momentum that that momentum can lead to much bigger goals there. So it might not be the reality that any of us would choose, but I do think that hope is something that we can build in as an adaptive strategy, no matter where we're at. And it's not just an emotion. It really is a form of momentum that can lead to, so so many other important milestones and places that we really need to be in or you know might need that positive emotive reinforcement for but i think on that last piece is yeah as as my dad had said is looking at how can we help others for some of us you know maybe we're in the position to be able to financially reach out that's definitely needed but for others maybe it's Calling someone and asking how they are there's something about giving back and looking after others uh, And supporting others that can really fill our own bucket as well And if we're overwhelmed with the negativity of the news, we have the ability to Whether it's calling an older relative or a friend or or make someone else's day in a little way It's amazing how much that can in return fill ourselves I want to
0: follow up on what charlie said because I think it's so true there is a universal uh, truth in life that's called giver's game, okay? you You give one place, it comes back somewhere else. In life, if you want trust, you have to give out trust. If you want love, you have to give out love. If you want money, you have to give out money. So how do you feel good about yourself in these times of crisis? is you give. You give out to others, and what you give to others comes back to you in other places. I think also, we talked, as I said, Charlie, and I wrote a book called, turning crisis into success, and we're all in crisis today, but we measure success differently. As Charlie was saying, some of us want to build big companies. Others just want to be happy. So pick your own level of what success looks like to you and go from where you are to that step, then to the next step, and then to
2: the next step. No one can tell you what success looks like for you. I love that, and uh, we're going to talk more about your book. And I love that you said, "Pick your own level of what success looks like for you." And I'm curious, Charlie, coming from a successful family, h- how did you work on picking your own level of what success looks like for you? Uh, and how did you work with the the pressure of being in a in a great family, and also the blessings of being in a great family?
0: I'd like to hear this. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. put your dad on mute I now. Would say, honestly, <laughs> it was. <laughs> well, you know, I would say, as you highlighted, it's an incredible gift, and I think, uh, in general, it's very easy to see the gifts that come with it. I think oftentimes we miss the huge pressures that can come with it as well. When you're trying to compare yourself to something so huge, um, that gap is always going to be there, and so. For me, for a long time I tried to follow success by more traditional ideas of, of achievement. And I honestly was doing well on paper. You know, I, I was really excelling in my career from BBC to Google. Um, but I, I would say for a lot of that I didn't feel super fulfilled. And I think that's because I was chasing recognition. And one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for the different lows I've had is, you know, I had I've had a number of health crises. And one of those led to me leaving Google and going backpacking through Southeast Asia, uh, which you know was really privileged to be able to do. And after that, I really got in tune with what's important to me. And for me, the mental health journey, something that I didn't talk about for so many years, I found so much importance and power in. And so when I started following that passion you know, that brought me to Columbia, uh, I I'm going to be turning in my thesis on Monday. I'm very excited. Hey. Um, and and now you're uh, developing out uh, a documentary series. I never thought I would be a filmmaker and I'm having the absolute time of my life. But for me, rather than following try, trying to chase an outcome, uh trying to chase what's important to me and what feel, what, what matters and seeing where that takes me has brought me to successes that I couldn't have imagined. Now, uh, you know, not everyone necessarily is in the position to have as much freedom to be able to do that depending on financial circumstances or who we're supporting as our, as our family. But I think really being able to look at whatever we're doing, what's the purpose that, that serves? Cause if you're in a job that you can't leave, that you don't love but it provides a paycheck to be able to support the people you love Um, and maybe you have a small window of time where you're able to pursue those other things when we walk into that job and rather than saying oh my god I hate this job thinking of wow I love my family and I'm here for my family so being able to in whatever we're doing recognize the purpose beneath it but I think at the end of the day Success means a very different thing to me today than it did a few years ago And it could mean a very different thing, you know, a a few years going forward as well But my my North Star is what feels important? What feels meaningful? Um, And when I look at a lot of experiences that that North Star question for me is What makes me more ready to die? Uh, And it sounds morose, but I I actually don't find it that way because I think of it as what fills my life with so much passion so much joy just so much fullness that when i do reach my deathbed i can look back and be like yeah i'm ready i did it right and so having that perspective i think really helps me detach from doing things for other people and for what things look like and doing things more for what's filling and what's truly important to me and what does success really mean to me
0: i also think from a parent okay I think Charlie's been very blessed as our other kids Brett and Maxie have been is that my wife and I have a wonderful loving uh, marriage for 35 years. Charlie's grown up in a real environment of love. It's not about accomplishment. you know it's how you treat other people. we've been philanthropic. she has an incredible mother as a role model. okay so she's seeing things on how we treat other people, what we do for other people. We've always encouraged her to do the best she could do, but she's her own woman, as you can tell. And I think, um, you know, I, I, as I said to my wife, we don't own our kids, we just guide them. But once they get out of the house, they start blossoming like a flower in their own direction. So I think you know, the bottom line is, you know, how do we, we talk to them? How do you leave a legacy? How do you find something you're passionate about? And leave a legacy. Now, don't wait till you die to write it on your tombstone. What do you want to be known for? What's your legacy? And it'll change over time. Okay, But I think that uh, Charlie's done an incredible job as she's gone through the journey and she's only starting um, on creating real value for society.
2: I love that. I think the the hardest thing is even if you say that as a parent, as a kid, you see what your parents have done and you see the environment. And it's very rare that you have this conversation with your parents say hey uh, this is what I want to do and but you still feel okay my dad had the best small business in america and that's that's amazing but it could also feel like a pressure in a way right uh, so but I think you guys have have done a great job obviously and let's talk a little bit more but Peter, about But
0: before you go on just the, the incredible experience of writing a book together four or five years is because we kept talking about what is success and what is happiness to you. And it was just an incredible experience hearing from her perspective. And I don't see life the way most people do. So she pointed out, I used to think my, my life was happy until I read my own book. are <laughs> so all the places I went through. But it's, it's really, it's engaging in that conversation of what is happiness and what is success.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, uh, h- how did you guys write a book together, and how did that go? Uh, were there any any big fights about who's going to write? Who like h- how was that experience?
0: Well, we both have a different idea of how it got started. Okay, <laughs> and we can share each.
1: Although mine is documented, and everyone's <laughs>
0: sort of on my team. <laughs> and I don't really care what other people think, so I'll tell you what's true. Okay. <laughs> So uh, after I sold two companies, one to Kimberly Clark and one to Coca-Cola, I started going to uh, business schools to speak to MBA students. I went to Cornell, Cornell, UCSD, in San Diego about happiness and success because I believe there are, are several key elements that, that are common to both. And then I said, why do I need to keep traveling? Okay, well, why don't I just write something? So I started writing it. I shared it with Charlie. He says, Dad, you need my help. Let me help you. Okay. And we started, And my all of of the writing is hers. So again, I went for four or five years. It felt like I went to therapy. I would write what happened and say, no, dad, I don't want to know what happened. Tell me what you thought, what you feel, what you say in that moment. I want to know the hardest times of your life. She knows more about me before I met my wife and some of the breakups I had with my girlfriends. (laughs) The deepest hurt and we have a loving enough relationship and open and honest, I shared, I had nothing to hide. Okay. So it was that, that the ability to write. Now we were not in the same place. She was at Google. She was in, in Asia, all over the place. So, but it was an iterative process back and forth. I'd write three pages and she'd, make, she'd give me back two paragraphs. I mean, um, but it's it was, she was the one that directed it. She was the one that wrote the words it might be my story, but she did an incredible job drawing
1: it out of me.
2: And let's, let's hear the real Thank story. You. Now I'm going to take your lead now, Charlie. <laughs> oh, you've,
1: you've got, you, you've got, you, have got some good senses. You can see how it works. Well, so the beginning, my dad was spot on. He'd been talking to places, started working on the book, asked for some editing feedback, and I don't hold back when it comes to that. And so he found the feedback quite helpful and said, Hey, would you, would you want to do this thing? Let's, would you want to write this together? And it was a really beautiful experience from there, kind of like how my dad was saying there. But I would say I would have never had the excuse to say, so let's let's talk about your childhood insecurities um, and getting to really. And just the way the dynamic changed where we were complete equals with it within this was such a cool exploration, and getting to know my dad at 23, at 27, at 33. When you talk about the success of this book, a lot of people would look and say, yeah, like not like a bestseller. Like that's, that's, that's the big thing. And to me, that's, that's a cherry on top of Sunday. Like that, that's an extra bonus. But the powerful part is just the closeness that we got to experience and, and the tightness in our relationship. Now, mind you over the course of those 5 years i had moments where my health was failing i was running a small business in australia and things were really really tough and not going well then so the the tagline to the book is uh, you know it's turning crisis into success but that tagline is a serial entrepreneur's lessons on overcoming challenge while keeping your shit together now to be writing that and have a moment where mine was not at all together. Like the irony was not lost on me. And that was really hard to feel like I was writing this story of success while I felt nothing like that. But to to learn how to continue showing up throughout all the different places I was in and to be in such a good place by the time it was done um, was a really beautiful experience to give my dad that feedback and to do that dance and to get to tell his story and in in and, and be able to put hit the words I knew he would want to say on the page was really special. But to let him at the same time and let the book teach me as I was writing it was an experience I would have never known to have dreamt of.
2: Thank you for sharing that. And let's talk about the future. Like uh, what are you guys creating for the next year and next couple of years? What do you want to see in the world and how are you a part of that? Charlie, I you're doing
0: Charlie's doing something very significant. So, Charlie, why don't you share first?
1: Yeah, I can. So, I uh, am currently working on developing a, a documentary series, actually, which is exciting. I've, I've, I've not not a background in TV at all, uh, but really coming from both my masters and and the crisis counseling experience, but more so my my own lived experience and. It's a series, it's a show about hope, essentially, and looking at suicide survivors, people who have maybe wanted to die or tried to die um, and came back from that. Because when we look at media today, when you bring up that word, most people think of completed suicides, people who've died. Um, but for every one person that dies, there's over 20 that survive, many of whom go on to lead happy and fulfilling lives many, many more that thought and never went through that action. And when we want to talk about warriors, people who have strength, that type of comeback, not the quick bounce back, the resilience, but the ability to rise from the ashes. I think that's, that's the type of thing that creates so much inspiration. The reason we love stories like Rocky. And I think especially in times like now where so many people's lives have been brought to ashes I think it's an important time now more than ever to be able to celebrate and to explore what does it look like uh, to come back from that. So I'm really, really excited about that and, um, and exploring that and developing that out. I've been able to focus on clinical psychology and education within my master's, but really looking at positive psychology. And to me, positive psychology, which is not ignoring the dark stuff but being able to have a wider perspective of it and to bring in darkness and light into the same place and to see the strengths within the hard places like that to me is so beautiful so I'm really excited to be bringing I feel like it's a new thing that I'm birthing into the world and uh, I yeah I, my dream would be to have that take off in ways where that is uh, my big focus and my big work in 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 the coming time. That's awesome,
2: and I love to see how you shine up when you talk about this. Like, this is something that it,
1: passion I, I,
2: I can really feel it. Uh, so super excited about that. Uh, how about you, Richard? Yeah.
0: So I have lots of opportunity. I mean, having written this book, I mean, all of our, our all of our reviews in Amazon are five star. I get e- emails all the time of how how much it helps people out so i'm trying to figure out what's without traveling because we can't travel how do you go out there and how do you help others how do you promote because we're all going through christ how do you help people get from crisis to success so that's one aspect uh, i did publish a book of poetry 10 years ago called uh, uh um uh, called inner peace and happiness reflections to grow your soul and so I started writing again, as I told you, everyone for Kobe and writing other poems. So, writing poems. I wrote a song last year, lyrics to a song. So, I'm trying to figure out how do I grow my soul? And we all grow our soul differently. So, I mentor, right now, I sit in a couple boards and I mentor some young entrepreneurs, okay, on how to grow their business. And that's very fulfilling. So, I've had my turn, now it's somebody else's. So, I'm trying to figure out how do I go from success to significance by helping others. Create value for
2: themselves. I love that, and uh, we're we have a couple of more minutes, and we're gonna end with uh, you reading the poem poem you wrote in honor of Kobe. But before that, I just want to ask uh, Charlie. Uh, there's a lot of people listening to this watching this that have a big dream they have hopes for something in their life and we're all about sharing stories but at the end of the day i want the people that that have spent an hour with us to actually take some action so what what's the what's the best advice you have for the people watching and listening right now what should they do right after to get started and get a little bit closer to their dreams
1: amazing Well I, I would say if someone already knows what that dream is um, go tell someone else. there's something really powerful I think that happens when we don't just have our plans but we share them um, and I think you know for many people they might not be at the point where they know exactly what that dream is and and I would say if you're in that boat I would I would say the best first step is to look within. Um, whether that's sitting down and journaling and reflecting of what makes me feel full when do i feel most energized when do i feel most alive what do i care about most um, that identification piece if we don't know where it is and if we already if we already know where it is and, and we've already shared it with people i would say the next thing which we've talked about throughout this is asking for help uh, if you're not if, if you're intimidated and you haven't made that step um, whether it's looking through the internet to identify someone but look for someone who could help you on your journey and reach out and ask for help. Um, And I would say you don't actually even need to know what the dream is yet to do that. If you're still figuring it out, ask for help in figuring it out. I would say that's really a super strong practice um, to help you figure things out, but it's also a muscle that you can build that'll help you along the way.
2: Thank you for sharing that.
0: that. I would would add that if people are listening and they choose to uh, they can read or listen to our book, uh, Turning Crisis into Success. And when they're done, we have a website, Crisis into Success, crisisintosuccess.com. And there's a place where they can send us questions and we will answer them. Okay. So the real issue is once you go through and you see other people going through crisis, getting out of it. You know, I started writing a book on happiness and success and how they merge. But in the end, it morphed into Charlie asking me, teach me, my friends. How did you keep your emotional stability through crisis? And that, that's really where the so we are willing to help if we're the right answers. If we're not, ask somebody else. But um, to go out there and and to really figure out what is success to you.
2: Thank you, thank you for sharing that. And we're gonna we're gonna end this podcast with a tribute to Colby. I'm gonna take my hat off. The reason why I have a hat today is because I haven't been able to go to the. <laughs> hairdresser <laughs> so i'm i my apologies i, I i'm gonna order a buzzer
0: <laughs> well i have to tell you that, firstly i'm a part owner of the phoenix suns yeah so i've rooted against kobe for many many years and i've loved to hate him and i hated to love him but he was a incredible human being and so here's a poem called uh, kobe remembrance and this is my reflection for him it goes like this maybe once in the generation a special player comes along whose grace flows like poetry, yet whose spirit fights so strong. Kobe's passion burns so brightly to prove he was the all-time best. When his teammates didn't work as hard, he would never let them rest. From early morning workouts to a late night shoot around, He drove everyone towards greatness. No one was better, pound for pound. As the years just flew right by him, he won five championship rings, garnering all the fame and accolades bestowed upon movie stars and kings. But as father time pursued him and took away his youthful prime, he saw his own career was ending, It was someone else's time. He morphed into a teacher to to give back lessons he had learned, reminding all who would listen, greatness is not given, it must be earned. He turned his focus onto others, helping them to grow and succeed, providing skillful guidance for whatever they might need a loving father and caring husband, to his daughters and adoring wife, they became the center of his universe, the greatest passion in his life. Then one foggy Sunday morning, the Black Mamba's life was ripped away. The whole world cascaded into mourning. It can't be true, we all would pray, but life, provides no promises, for how long we each will live. Every day is a precious blessing to be grateful and forgive. For Kobe was a cherished soul who rests in heaven high above, but his memory will live forever inside our hearts and
2: tears of love. Wow! Thank you so much for sharing that. That was so beautiful. And um, Richard and Charlie, I'm I'm just so grateful that we got to meet virtually. What you don't know about me, I, I never did this virtually before because I always m- believe in sitting down eye to eye and c- truly connecting. But I, I'm learning that it's possible to connect in different ways, and and I I feel connected to to both of you and. Uh, I'm super grateful for your time. Uh, Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you. And we'd love to support you to reach that 10 million people of helping. And I don't want you to limit yourself, though. I want you to be able to go even further.
2: Okay, but that's a good first step. Thank you.
1: Absolute, absolute pleasure. And
2: everybody, thank you for listening in to the I Love Success podcast. And uh, what I want to say to you, uh, we talk about that big goal of me helping a lot of people. Uh, I can't do it myself. We are a tribe. We're in this together. So if you think this conversation with Richard and Charlie was uh, of benefit to you, please share it with somebody that it could help. Uh, Check us out at ilovesuccess.co. We almost have 200 conversations right now with incredible thought leaders, just like Richard and Charlie. And yeah. Yeah. Go out and do something with your life, but don't go out if you're not allowed to yet. <laughs> Be safe and healthy. Take care now. Hope to see you soon.
1: You bye too. Bye-bye. bye bye